Um, we, our ice was so broken on our, on our table that we didn't do any of the icebreakers because we were just getting on with it. Um, so no, one, no one's come and told me any amazing stories, but we have, we have an amazing story that we're going to share with you. So um, Anna's just going to tell you uh, one of her stories of healing that happened this year. Um, so, am I allowed to say this? Yes. <laughs> I just have to check. I'm going to tell you about Max. Um, Max was um, a seven-year-old boy, is a seven-year-old boy who um, goes to our church. Um, and uh, during, or just before the church service, I had a picture of um, a supermarket trolley where one of the wheels um, wasn't quite resting on the ground and was spinning round and round. And I felt God say that there's, there's um, someone who had a problem of asymmetry in their body that he wanted to um, uh, reach out to. So I bought that, and uh, Max's mother came to me and said, um, uh, he's, uh, Max's leg, one of the legs, um, was basically bending out when it should be bending in, and was bending in when it should be bending out. And it was also um, shorter than the other leg. And as a result, he was going to have to have the whole of his leg um, in a plaster cast for several months to straighten out the length. Um, I think it was sort of all the way up to his thigh. Um, so I prayed for him, um, my best prayer, um, and we, we checked out the leg, and uh, it looked exactly the same. Um, but we believed, you know, God heard our prayers. Um, and uh, the next week he came back, and um, I said, oh, I'd love to pray again, because the whole week God had just been reminding me about him, and he'd really been on my heart, and... Um, I'd, I'd say generally I'm quite a stably emotional person, um, but I really felt an intensity that I recognized was not from me, that um, a, a sort of real um, love for this boy that I recognized as being the father's love. Um, so I just I was been praying for him the whole week, and he came back on the Sunday and said, um, next, on the Monday, he had this consultation appointment. They're going to give him the... Um, a booking in for when he was going to have the plaster cast on his leg. Um, so we prayed again, my best prayer, and we looked, and the leg looked exactly the same. Um, so we still, we believed, you know, God is in this, God is on this. Um, we're just trusting him, handed over to him. Anyway, so the next day, um, I got a text from his mother, and she said she'd just been to the um, consultant appointment, and he was very confused and baffled because the leg was completely straight and the right length. And they dismissed him and doesn't, don't ever want to see him again. So, so just to sort of... Ooh, um, gone very loud all of a sudden. Um, just to encourage you, if you don't see stuff happening, that stuff's happening, um, and um, persevere. Keep going for it. Absolutely. The last time I asked Anna to share her story, she said, get your own stories. <laughs> Right, well, we've got the great privilege of having uh, legendary Holdens with us, David and Liz. So let's welcome them. <laughs> and um, I, I think I've just worked out that 
David's mum and dad, uh, when I was a child, were very kind to me. And they introduced me, as a child who'd just come back from Africa, to Mars ice cream. And I have never looked back and frankly hold them to account. <laughs> right, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna probe, we're going to get to know these guys. They're going to be um, sharing over the next couple of days. So I know uh, many, of you, many of you will know them. But we will, we're going to ask some questions and uh, try and probe. The first thing we're going to do is try to get as much information out of them as possible in 60 seconds. And we're going to do this as a competition. So I'm going to time it. Anna is going to ask Liz a series of questions that she has to answer. And however many questions she gets in that minute, Dave will try to beat. <laughs> and there is a prize. Okay? So you, we're going to time this, um, and you'll have to uh, listen hard for the answers because it's going to be quick. Okay, so ready, st- oh yeah, you need the microphone. <laughs> Keep talking. One, two, three, four. <laughs> uh, still not on. Have you, do you need to actually turn something on? No, I don't need to. Should I share? No, it's not going to. Oh, yeah. No, I don't need to say it. James, any advice for us? Sing. <laughs> yep. Hello. <laughs> so well, cozy. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll give you a minute and a half. I've got enough questions. Okay. okay let's no, no, no. See how we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A minute. Go. Ready, steady, go. Morning or evening person? A morning. Indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. Book or film? A book. Evening in or out on the town? Out on the town. Snow or beach? Beach. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Music, pop or classical? Opera. <laughs> Arrive a little early or fashionably late? Oh, late. Which historical figure would you most want to have dinner with? Uh, C.S. Lewis. If you could become any animal, which one would you be? I'd be a bird because I want to fly. If you came to our house for dinner, what would you prefer, prepare for us? Uh, beef bourguignon. I'm going on a um, holiday. What would you recommend? Uh, bikini. movie you went to see? Uh, um, James Bond. Spectre. Favourite fiction book? Um, the Paris Architect. What was the best part of being a parent? Um, teenagers. <laughs> what was the best part of being a grandparent? Oh, spoiling them rotten. Okay, that's it. Hey. Well done. Thank you. How many questions was that? Fifteen. Okay. Fifteen to beat. He's been primed, though. 
actually distracted. <laughs> Ready, steady. Fifteen questions. Yeah. Ready, steady, go. Morning or evening person? Morning. Indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. Book or film? Film. Evening in or out in the town? In. Snow or beach? Beach. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Music, pop or classical? Jazz. Arrive a little early or fashion be late? Uh, early. Which historical figure would you most want to have dinner with? Apostle Paul. If you could become any animal, which would it be? A sloth. <laughs> if you came to our house for dinner, what would you prefer us? The table. I'm going on holiday. Where would you recommend? Anywhere in Africa. What was the last movie you went to see? Spectre. Favourite fiction book? Anything by John Grisham. What was the best part of being a parent? Saying goodbye to them. <laughs> what was the best part of being a grandparent? Uh, all play and no work. Who puts the bins out? I do. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? A sports commentator. What, uh, what living Christian has influenced you the most? My wife. Ah, well done. How many was that? Um, yeah, 19. Have we got another microphone working, James? No. Okay, we're going to improvise. So, the... the um, King's, King's Centre has got about 781 rooms. Hang on, what's the prize? <laughs> but only one microphone. Um, the prize is a Costa Coffee credit card, uh, which I've dropped. So, Dave, this is for you. Unfair advantage. <laughs> unfair advantage. It was an unfair advantage. We got you a prize you could share. Okay, so um, I think most of us would know that um, Dave and Liz have been uh, around with New Frontiers and Terry Virgo since very early on, perhaps even from the beginning. So um, I-, I wondered whether you could share maybe some of the highlight moments that stand out for you from looking back over all those years. And since I'm sitting next to Liz, she can start. I wasn't really listening. Um, I I think we've just found out what Liz is really interested in in her life Um, as headlines I think um, the highlights have been actually the longevity of team and the way over the decades obviously there's been changes but essentially the same people have been involved so we've got a long long history together which hopefully doesn't make us nostalgic but it makes us very grateful and I think we shouldn't take that for granted so even as um, New Frontiers has gone through this time of multiplication all those relationships and friendships uh, are long-standing so even coming back into this room and meeting lots of people who just look a bit older than the last time I saw them but essentially um, that DNA and that friendship is really there I think the other highlight for me has been the constant um, uh, obedience, I suppose, to what God has said to us, whether that's been prophetically and we've weighed it and we've said, yep, we're going to do this, some of which has been, humanly speaking, at great cost, 
Um, and the thing I've really loved is that every time God has spoken, we've just found a way to obey him. And of the, those of you who've been around for years will know that that's meant dying to certain things that have become quite precious, uh, whether that's a, a Bible week um, or whether that's uh, going to the nations and church planting or whether it's even what we've just done through not being one team anymore but multiplying to many teams. Uh, you know, a grain of wheat's got to fall into the ground and die so that it can produce fruit. So I said to someone recently, New Frontiers has done death really well in its history. And uh, actually some friends of mine who live in perhaps a kind of more traditional denominational um, situations have said one of the things we've really loved about you guys is that you've never uh, settled, but you've always moved on. And uh, some of them were ruefully saying we're still in things that should have stopped, you know, decades ago, uh, but we didn't have the, the ability to stop them. Um, but you guys have, and so I think it's been something that's been a real highlight. Yeah, I think not getting stuck has been a massive blessing in that, you know, right from the early days, the pioneering in the things of the Holy Spirit has been a constant challenge, but it's one that I believe everyone has kept sort of intent about um, because it's so easy to slip back into traditions of all sorts of kinds. And, um, and I think a real passion for the Word of God that, that all the way through there's been training for people and increasingly more and more in terms of discipleship and training for church planting and, and the ongoing sort of passion for church, which when it started, it was this revelation of what the church should be like, and it's not like it, but people giving up incredible costly things and reputations and everything to build church like the New Testament, and the fact that that is still everyone's passion, I think is remarkable. And... Um, the fact that people are still so zealous for Jesus and his kingdom. So, I'll ask another question then, and I'll ask you a couple. Um, I'm, I think I'm right in saying that you guys, Dave, you were leading a church when you were quite young. And um, I remember hearing you guys talking about that. Um, I wondered what, what, as you look back, what, what the pressures were on you as a couple and as a family in that stage where you were leading a church in your younger years? Um, I think because it was such early days, we were pioneering in practically everything and we didn't know very much. So we were just doing what we thought the Bible was telling us to do in building a local church with very little support. So we had a friendship with Terry Virgo and one or two others but we were very much, I think, on our own. And I know I felt quite isolated at times. I didn't really have anyone to look to. Um, and then as a, as a young church, we had to fight for bringing the church into grace, which was, a, was very sacrificial because we had a big fight and people left the church. But that's what it was like then. And I think we, we forged very strong friendships within our local church. Um, which was hugely important, but those were big challenges then. Yeah. 
Um, I think uh, the issue of authority, which is a subject that um, perhaps we associate with the past because we've got churches now that are led by eldership teams and uh, by and large, um, I hope this is true of your church, everybody's kind of happy to uh, go along with that and the decision-making process that um, was there. But of course that brings a tremendous um, weight upon us and I think as a young couple and certainly me, I was... I was uh, alone. I didn't even have an eldership team when we started. I think that issue of authority not being just something you impose upon people, but rather that people willingly and joyfully uh, follow was something that you had to kind of earn. And it can only be earned by relationships and by people getting to know you and trust you and getting close to you. And I I don't think that's changed. I think it's exactly the same principle today. Um, However large your church is, you have to be in a position where... People are following you, not because you've just got a position, but because of the person that you are. So I think for us it was a huge uh, journey that we had to go on where we we couldn't insist on things and we couldn't expect things, but we had to do that together. And uh, I think just also what Liz just said, just uh, we didn't, I mean, we didn't have marriage prep when we got married. It didn't exist in those days. I don't think we even went through the words of our wedding until we actually got there and were standing at the front. There was no parenting uh, courses in those days. Um, There was just very little provided, and uh, we just had to kind of learn the hard way. Um, We're just about to plant a multi-site out of our church, and the couple that are leading it are both 24 years old. And uh, I was just saying to someone on the table just now that uh, the advantage that they've got is because we'll still be one church is they can make loads of mistakes and they'll still look good because we'll just be there for them. If only I'd had that when I started out. So I would just say you know, don't take for granted the ways that people have pioneered things over the years, maybe in your own church, and now we've got to where we've got to. What a great opportunity this is to build on, on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. So God changes us to be more like him. How has he changed you to be the people you are compared to um, how you were 30 years ago? Well, I was pretty perfect right from (laughs) the beginning. Um, And I've often said to people with Jesus and Liz together, uh, they make a great combination in terms of, of getting me all sorted out. Um, and the simple answer, I think, to uh, th- this question is as you embrace what life brings to you, not as a problem, but as God's way of developing you. I think I quickly learned that the amount of change that people go through in meetings is actually quite minimal. People can have encounters with God. They can you know, hear a word that's preached. But to be honest, most of our... Um, training most of our development is in life itself and recognizing that if you abandon yourself to God everything that happens uh, in his sovereign plan even the things we don't like even the things we wouldn't choose I mean most of the things that I've gone through that have probably shaped me as a person almost none of them I would chosen to go through and I hated all of them at the time and I'm now writing a book of no it's but it's just like as you now look back you think I'm so glad that we went through that together or the church went through it or even I went through it uh, personally. I've had two phases in my life. It's nearly now 40 years of being in full-time ministry and 
um, about five years into the ministry. And then seven years ago, um, I had two very difficult times in my life where physically and emotionally and, and spiritually I really hit the wall. And uh, those were times that I wouldn't have chosen to go through. But I think um, in the sovereignty of God, they were wonderful times because on both occasions I came out very different to that, that going into it. So I think God uses the issues of life and he, he really does know what we need, when we need it, and uh, it's to be embraced and not just put up with, really believing. And there's lots more, I'm sure, that's going to happen like that. I think when we first got married, I had been a backslidden Christian, come back to God, and then within a year had married someone who was leading a church. So for me, um, finding my identity in Christ was huge. And so I had to, I realized that I've got this personal responsibility to find that for myself. Someone else can't do it for me. So it's interesting what David said about you get changed through a fire. And it was like that for me because I didn't behave like a pastor's wife. I didn't know what one looked like. Um, (laughs) And David seemed to know everyone in the Christian world. And I didn't know anybody except Terry and Wendy Virgo. They were all right. Um, So I'd walk into a room and know no one. And, of course, Dave, very sensitive, would go off and talk to everyone (laughs) and leave me on my own. So it was a bit like it was good for me because it made me develop my own very intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And it's always been that one. I mean, I know it sounds a bit obvious, but it's, it's so massively important that my discipleship is following him not following Dave or what other people expect of me. And I think when you're in leadership or you're, or you're married to a guy who has a strong leadership responsibility, you can feel pulled to be what other people expect of you. And I've not really bowed to that one, but really walked in what God has called me to do. And Dave's always been great encouraging me and supporting me. So, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll ask one since the mic's here. Uh, as, as you look, like, particularly in, within terms, in terms of relation, uh, New Frontiers and so on, how, and you look at your generation, you look at your children's generation, what do you think the in sort of special opportunities and maybe frustrations would be for you as you look at those two distinct generations at this moment? What would you want to say to your peers and what would you want to say to your children's generation about what you see? Start with ours, and you can do the younger ones. Um, <laughs> I think for people of our generation, they've got fantastic opportunities. Um, with the, the wide family that New Frontiers now is, and with church planting, the need for mature, godly couples to go on mission is so exciting. So there's no retirement for a Christian at all. And I think with the emphasis on mission, there is so much opportunity. And I think to, to, to think, you know, oh, it's time to wind down. The amazing thing is it's time to speed up and see what God's got for you. So, And following on from that, just the... Um the opportunity we have to model 
something for um, uh, a new generation coming through. So if, I don't know, we could divide this room in half, but those of you that know you're in the latter half of your uh, life and ministry, um, if you don't know that you are, just ask someone on your table to tell you, um, just in case you're in utter denial. Um, but you come to that place where you realize, goodness me, you know, the, the half's gone, everything. But just to see what an amazing opportunity this is for us to pour all that God has shown to us into a new generation, who incidentally, most I, I find, are not rebelling against us. When are these old guys going to finally retire and get out of the way? They're actually saying, please, 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 could you continue to model to us? So in January this year, I just handed over my local church to a 32-year-old who is asking me to hang around. Um, So I'm not imposing myself. Please stay because you've got so much to offer to this new generation that are coming through. So they want models. Take fathering, for example. Many of the new generation do not have um, much clue sometimes about fathering for the obvious reasons they may have not been fathered themselves. So to come into a church community like yours and to see models of fatherhood is just massive. I think we say far more through the way we live rather than just the preaching that we preach on Sundays. So to have this opportunity for a, a new generation coming in, if a generation's coming in has given up on marriage because every married couple they know is broken and maybe their mum and dad and they've lost all hope in, in marriage to then get converted and join a church and then look around and say, my goodness, marriage does work because we're modeling it. So what a great opportunity we've got to pour ourselves into this new generation. And most churches that I'm working with at the moment, and I think it's true broadly across the New Frontiers family of churches, I think this is one of our greatest strengths, that we have two generations that are working and moving together. And a little bit like a relay race, and I always hesitate to talk about relay races uh, from our nation because we always drop the baton at some point, and it's so frustrating. I refuse to watch them now. Um, But that moment, as we all know, which is key in a race, where there's that baton-changing moment, um, I think that's where we are right now. And I think what a great opportunity, hopefully in your church and relational mission, um, you know, the, the, the worst thing that could happen with a relational mission is that I come back here in 10 years' time and it's just you lot still here. Um, I mean, I say that, you know, lovingly and pastorally, but it is a massive challenge for all of us. Um, but if we're reproducing ourselves, then 10 years' time, there'll be a whole new generation that'll be taking on leadership responsibility. And that moment of running together in the box where you've got the maturity of the older generation and they energy and enthusiasm of the younger generation is really key. Can I say one more thing? And that is that the battles that many of us have fought, they weren't just fought for ourselves, but they're fought for the next generation coming through as well, so that they don't have to fight the same battles. Most of the battles of my generation have been fought so that the church is restored and renewed and transformed, but that's only half the story. The purpose of restoration is that the church then becomes equipped to go on mission to reach the 90% of people in most of the nations that are represented here today who have no idea about Jesus, they have no intention going to church. I want to raise up a generation whose main battle is actually fighting the cultural battles 
and what the gospel really is and how it can impact people's lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't afford to have a generation that just go over the same old battles that we fought, but we fought them for them. I want to give them a head start and a springboard so they can get down to the real battles as well, which is reaching this generation uh, with the gospel. We, we need to end there because of time. But we, we've been smiling because Anna, Anna's very prophetic and a number of things you said she felt really uh, strongly about generations and about relay races. Um, in, in doing some research, Dave, I saw you in one of your interviews that you claim to be uh, the person responsible for the Czech shirts in New Frontiers. And I'm, I'm in a difficult position because the last time I spoke to Mike Betts, he took me aside and he said, Daniel, you can't only wear Czech shirts. And I, I'm not sure which father to listen to, but I, I, <laughs> I'm tempted to keep wearing Czech shirts and, and perhaps slowly over time become a bit more like, like Mike. Um, <laughs> he was always very, very well dressed. Thank you so much. And uh, you'll be speaking tomorrow twice, won't you? And, um, and, and Liz as well. So great. Let's thank them and let's eat some dessert. <laughs>
conversation To tell me how great it's all gonna be Changing channels, I don't see them on the TV show. Where'd all the good people go? We got heaps and heaps of what we saw. Where'd all the good they people go? They got this go? and that with a rattle attack test. They don't want to, man. What you gonna do? Bad news, misuse. Give me some truth, you got too much to lose. Who's all the good people go? Wrong or resolute, but in the mood to obey. Station to station, desensitizing the nation. Where all the good people go? Time. 